BNI Club and Wise Health Incorporated present key information for loss prevention and seafarer wellness. Welcome to today's episode, and here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. Welcome to our program today. We are going to be talking about a very topical subject. We're going to be talking about heat awareness and the illnesses that can come along if you are not aware of the symptoms that can come with working outdoors or indoors in hot environments. And today's guest is Danielle Centeno. She's the Assistant Vice President of Loss Prevention and Survey Compliance at the American P&I Club. She's also a third mate and lieutenant commander in the Navy Reserve, and she knows this topic well. The prevention of heat-related illnesses is so important because oftentimes, I think we all know that being overly heated or hot is not good for us, but there are really some very serious symptoms we need to look out for, both at work and in everyday life. So, Danielle, welcome to our program today. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for the nice introduction. Um, yeah, so let's talk about it a little bit. So there's high temperatures both in indoors and outdoor environments, um, and it's something that we should be aware of both in the maritime workplace and in everyday life. For instance, if you're working indoors in a machinery space or in a hot galley, particularly during right. meal times, uh, so that's typical of of our of seafarers. Um, or it could be outdoors during the summer months or in hot climates. So the two hot climates uh, would be either hot and dry climates, such as arid zones, or tropical regions, which tend to be hot and humid. You know, I think that's an interesting point you mentioned about the hot and humid. It's only recently that we've been adding, the, well, the weather meteorologists have been adding heat index and heat thresholds and air quality uh, indexes to the weather forecast because I think we know if it's hot and humid that feels one way and we know how to behave in that environment but if it's hot and dry or arid as you said such as a desert environment or uh, certain parts of the world you have to be aware you must be aware because if you're not you really could get into trouble. And we're going to be talking today about heat illness awareness and what can happen. And in this case, we're talking about temperatures that are over 86 to 90 degrees, and that's 30 degrees plus Celsius. And that's pretty darn hot. I think we all know that you dress differently, you act differently, you behave differently. So the effects on it it is. And yeah, and it really does it really does affect mentally and physically. Yes. And go on with that. Talk further about what some of the symptoms are that people may not have associated with being overheated. So confusion and muddled thinking, Mm -hmm. uh, it can cause you dizziness or even more serious symptoms. And really the goal of the program today is to really bring awareness to some of these conditions that are caused by heat illnesses. Well, and it's when you move to a hot environment or even if you've just traveled through an airport in a hot environment, you know that it feels shocking to the body. And so your body doesn't just immediately adapt to the new climate, but there's some time that it takes. Talk about the adapting to a new hot climate. Yeah, so so most people feel comfortable when the air temperature is between 
20 degrees Celsius and 27 degrees Celsius. So that's 68 degrees or 81 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Um, And when relative humidity is generally low, so that's ranging between 35 to 60% of relative humidity. Mm -hmm. uh, So you'll want to really refer to the heat index before you're entering a hot climate. You don't want to ignore the reports of heat waves or high humidity. So take notice of those, uh, as you mentioned before, as those heat index. And I also think that we are getting more involved weather forecasts. They have maps, they're in colors. You really can't miss it if an occurrence that is a little out of the norm, so higher than normal, or uh, extreme, heat maybe. absolutely, and heat extremes. And so if, if you're living in those areas, it's not going to be as difficult to adapt. But if you're not, it can take one to two weeks initially, but in very extreme climates, even longer than that. Definitely. And I think that it's very important that if you feel uncomfortable in the heat, Mm -hmm. then you should really take notice of that. Make sure that you are not exceeding your limits, that you are taking breaks. You're going to want to take that time to acclimate to the heat. And of course, that's that's not spending initially a whole lot of time in the heat, maybe gradually spending more and more time in the heat Mm -hmm. to get acclimated to it. Well, I think also that we're finding that as you age or if you have certain medical conditions, you have sometimes a sensitivity to heat that you didn't have before. So you could have worked outdoors for four hours before without any ill effect. But risk factors, and we'll talk about those in just a moment, are a tendency. And yet the human tendency is also to go, well, I did this before. I can continue to do it. I can push through. But in this case, some of these symptoms that we'll be talking about, you will realize that the pain will not be temporary. It is something that really needs to be addressed and to be aware of. So pay attention to these red flags. And that's what we're going to share today. Definitely. And if the risk is not worth the reward, is mm-hmm. what I like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think before beginning any activity in heat, you really want to find a cool place where you can go and take some breaks. So a, a, a retreat area, so to speak. Mm-hmm preferably indoors in air conditioning. You're going to want to take breaks as needed and encourage your coworkers and your shipmates to do the same. Uh, Use those breaks to drink water. Use them as motivation to drink water. (laughs) Be especially mindful of people um, with risk factors, which we can go into next. Well, I think they're very good to know because I think that risk factors we, we don't sometimes address ourselves in the categories of risk, and perhaps we ought to. So if you are over the age of 65, obesity can cause a, a higher risk factor here. Certain medications, whether it's heart or blood pressure meds, psychiatric meds, and you have several more. Yes, if you are taking illegal drugs or alcohol, that could be one any previous heat-related illnesses. Also, overheating, anything, uh, any heat illnesses in the past, um, overheating can always progress into something worse if it's not addressed medically. So prevention is really important. It's It's key. key. And even those minor, a lot of those, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, Even though some of the minor illnesses, like like sunburn, for instance. Well, let's just start with sunburn and go through that quickly. Obviously, you can get up to second degree burns. People get blisters. You can be hospitalized. That can be very painful, tender skin, and can long-term affect the body's ability to cool itself. But we also know it can lead to sun damage and skin cancer. So by all means, wear sunscreen of at least 30 SPF. 
Definitely. And the risk factors for sunburn, of course, are people with fairer skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so people with darker skin are less prone to sunburn. So the more melanin your body produces, the better protection that you have from the sun's UV rays. Right. However, it should not be ignored. Even darker complexions are not immune to sunburn. So it's really important to use that SPF despite how light or dark your skin is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's SPF 30 or higher as recommended by the American Cancer Society for melanoma prevention. Well, which is very important. And the other thing is to keep reapplying it as directed, usually every couple of hours. Good point. After sunburn, the next kind of symptoms that you may see could be painful muscle cramps, so heat cramps. And it can be caused by exercising or excessive sweating. And it is very uncomfortable and painful. But talk about the cause. So the cause of heat cramps... According to WebMD, it's an electrolyte deficiency, which is caused by inadequate consumption of fluids and electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So really, to prevent something like heat cramps, you're really going to want to stay hydrated, and you're going to want to have those important electrolytes and salts. And it's a precursor to dehydration. So if you're starting to feel those heat cramps, it's a sign that something burst is coming. You know, I think one of the first symptoms that I always notice when I'm overheating is that I'm already thirsty. And that means I haven't hydrated enough before I was going out and doing something in hot environments. So we need to drink before we become thirsty. Your mouth gets dry. Your your tongue even feels thick or, or your lips are chapped. You're tired. You can become dizzy. And one of the big rules that we use for those going uh, to the Middle East or other hot areas, is that you need to hydrate enough so that your urine is clear. And that's a very good rule of thumb to follow. Yes. And also, I think it's a it's good to talk a little bit about how the body cools also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in extreme heat, we're going to lose our fluids through perspiration, so mm-hmm. sweating. And sweating helps cool down the body in two ways. It makes your skin feel cooler because it's wet. Uh, But it also, as it evaporates from the skin, it removes some heat when it cools the body. Mm -hmm. Um, So in humid climates, sweat evaporates very slowly. So it actually makes you feel hotter because you're not getting that cooling effect. Mm -hmm. Um, In dry climates, sweat evaporates too quickly, which makes you feel cool, but it it can lead to dehydration. So I I always recommend air conditioning as the best method of cooling instead of fan cooling. So we've heard reports about people sitting in front of their fan and actually passing away because they've exhausted their heat mechanism and they haven't replaced those fluids. It's really quite serious. So air conditioning rather than fans, because just feeling the air moving on your skin is actually pulling more moisture from your body. The other thing that is a problem is not only the fluids that are being pulled, but it's your salt and the electrolytes, which is why we hear people talk about sports drinks or salt tablets with their water. And there are some signs of salt depletion, not just the weakness and the fuzzy thinking, etc. But you can also even have frostiness on the skin that is a sign of salt depletion. Or if you smell ammonia on your skin, that's the result of amino acids being metabolized for energy, not water. So your body will use what it has to cool itself. But some of this has a negative effect on your body. 
yes, it's very important to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, prevention is the best practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so hydrating often, clear, clear pee is going to be that hydration motivation. And it's serious. Uh, it is serious because if you are not going to the bathroom, that's also a sign that you're dehydrated. You want to keep drinking enough so that you are using the facilities on a, I won't call it a normal basis, but on a routine basis. So what about wearing protective clothing on board ship or in certain jobs? It's heavy. Firefighting equipment, for example. So what is the recommended clothing to wear in such a heated environment? Well, I I always recommend loose-fitting clothing that's breathable is going to be your best option. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of great clothing options out there now that also protect from the sun and Mm -hmm. sunburn. So those are an additional option. You can always use sunglasses to protect your eyes from UV rays. Good point. Hats are great as well to protect your head and your face. So all of those are great options and I think definitely uh, a must. I I agree. And I think also we need to also address the fact that a well-balanced diet usually provides you enough salt and fluid and is healthy. But in extreme climates, we have to be more aware. Drink more fluids, have more fruits and vegetables if you can because they're loaded with water. And I believe we talked prior to the program about no extreme diets in this kind of environment. Yes, Linda. You know, my heart always tells me fried chicken, but my waistline <laughs> tells me salad. Uh, no, really, it's healthier. Yes. You know, remember, food and water is, is your body's fuel. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to eat well. And that goes, that goes without saying for all matters of health and safety. But, you know, a tip, typically a well-balanced diet will contain enough salt in it mm-hmm. uh, for most people to retain the amount of water uh, that you need. So we would look at sunburn, wearing protective clothing and sunscreen. Next would come in the progression of symptoms, heat cramps, which is usually caused by the lack of salt or fluid intake, dehydration, insufficient fluid consumption, and prevention. Take your breaks in the air conditioning, keep replenishing. And and what is your motto? Hydration. Motivation. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) If people would like more information, you can go to the American Club's Loss Prevention Seafarer Wellness page for more information. And Danielle, can you give that URL, please? So that was American-Club.com. Perfect. So American-Club.com in the loss prevention section. And look for our second podcast, which goes further into heat-related illnesses, on to heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Danielle, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. We're very glad to have hosted you today. 